This is Jared O'Brien for the Christians Engaging Culture podcast. Christians Engaging Culture exists to equip the members of St. Thomas's to give a faithful answer in everyday cultural conversations and to turn those conversations to the gospel. We're currently in a module concerning the topic of religious liberty. This week, we are thinking about religious liberty and education. In this podcast, we are listening to an interview with a Canadian father named Stephen Terlucas. When his children were four and six years old, he requested that the school would notify him when they were teaching his children about sensitive topics such as homosexuality, abortion, and gender identity. The school refused, and Lucas took them to court. The court ruled that, although the school's decision violated the Canadian Charter of Rights, the violation was reasonable given the competing charter values of inclusivity, equality, and multiculturalism and public school board statutory obligations to support equality and create an inclusive school environment. This case is now actually seven years old, and this interview is from 2012. But Canada is probably around 10 years ahead of Australia in this drift away from Christianity, and cases like these are likely to start coming up in Australia. We think this interview shows a very reasonable response from a religious father to a difficult situation, and we can learn from him. We are thankful to Radio Teopoli for allowing us to republish this interview and have linked to their website in the show notes. There are three upcoming events we want to recommend. The first is that our own Adrian Cunningham is organising a screening of Unplanned at Hoyt's Cinema in Chatswood. This is the story of a woman who went from working for Planned Parenthood in the United States to being an advocate for protecting the lives of pre-born children. The screening is on Tuesday the 15th of October. But in order to go ahead, 76 people need to register before the 4th of October. That is this Friday, so please register now if you're planning to go. We've included a link to the registration site in the show notes. The second event is a lecture, which is actually tomorrow night, Tuesday the 1st of October, by Christian and world-renowned computational quantum chemist Fritz Schaefer III. The lecture is titled Stephen Hawking, The Big Bang and God. It will be held at 7.30pm at the University of New South Wales in the old main building G31 Theatre, which is part of the physics building. Again, if you miss those details, they are in the show notes. Thirdly, the Australian Christian Lobby is holding their national conference in Sydney on October the 19th. Conference speakers include Martin Isles, Israel Folau and Tanya Davies. I was personally pleasantly surprised to see the main speaker is Dr Peter Jones from the United States. Theologically, he's a very solid speaker and I think will be a huge help to Australian Christians in understanding the world around us. There's a group of people from St. Thomas's that will be attending. You can purchase a ticket at the ACL website and then you can let us know you're going by filling in the form on our coming events page of our website and we can let you know where the group will meet up on the day so you can join in with other people from church. But for now, here's the interview with Stephen Terlucas. And your listeners, uh, today on Building a Culture of Life here on Radio Theopoly, as we said at the beginning, my special guest is uh, Dr. Steve Terlucas. Uh, he's a Hamilton dentist who has uh, decided uh, just uh, this past week that he's taking the Hamilton-Wentworth District School Board to court. We thought in the interest of Christian education, in the interest of building a culture of life and love, that you should know the details of this story. It's been in the media already quite a lot since the uh, press conference was held uh, a week ago. And we want to sort of let the man himself, let the parent himself talk about the case and share it with you. Dr. Steve Terlucas, welcome to Building a Culture of Life. 
Thank you so much, Lou. It's a, it's a pleasure to join you. May I ask you at the very beginning, can I call you Steve? Yes, please do. Thank you. Let's begin uh, then, Steve, with some of the background information. I know that you have worked with, uh, tried to work with the Hamilton-Wentworth uh, District School Board for a year, a year and a half, and you wanted to get your get kids exempted from the equity education, what was called the inclusive education strategy. Can you give our listeners a bit of that background so that we can lead up to, we're going to talk about the court case, uh, but sort of to give the listeners a bit of a background of what you went through. Oh, sure. About two, uh, two years ago, maybe a little bit over two years ago, I became aware of the Hamilton Board of Education, uh, their intent to induce, introduce into the curriculum certain materials that conflicted with my family's uh, Christian worldview. I have an eight-year-old and a six-year-old who are in the Hamilton Board, and because I love my children very much, I, I, you know, I want to be involved in their education. I like to, to keep informed. So after learning about these materials, the materials that they had intended to uh, introduce, I made an application with the board for a, a particular religious accommodation. The Hamilton Board of Education has a policy uh, on how to handle this type of situation, actually. Their equity policy makes provisions for these type of situations. So in keeping with their equity policy, I, I made a request. I made two requests, actually. And both of them were very, very simple requests. My first request was to simply be advised, give me some advance notice of when they uh, would be teaching certain topics. So I basically gave them a, a list, and it was a very short list of certain topics. And I said, could you please let me know when you're going to be teaching any of these particular topics? So that was my first uh, request. My first, my first, the first thing I asked was just advance notice. And, and my second request was if they were going to be teaching materials which did conflict with my sincerely held religious beliefs, I wanted the right to withdraw my children from those classes, which I didn't really think was going to be a problem because they already offer that religious accommodation to members of other groups. For mm -hmm. example, the Muslims are allowed to withdraw their children in certain situations, as are members of, just as an example, the Jehovah's Witness. And both of those groups, I don't necessarily begrudge them of their accommodations, but this was basically me wanting the boards to give me an accommodation that they were already freely giving to other religious groups. So mm -hmm. that's my, my case in a nutshell. And what were you told in regards to uh, having your kids exempted or learning about the contents of the, these classes? Well, basically, they told me that they would not give me advance notice. They told me they would not give me advance notice and that they wouldn't allow me to withdraw my children from classes or activities that presented informa information which conflicted with my family's sincerely held religious beliefs. So they basically said no to both, of my, both aspects of my request for accommodation. Now, before we um, get into the actual, uh, Stephen, the, the actual uh, court case, just to give people an idea of what this means, because when you hear inclusive education, equity education, some people don't know exactly what is it that you're objecting to, to be specific about it. Well, as a part of this inclusive education strategy that the, the provinces come up with, they plan on introducing materials which, quite frankly, Lou, are not appropriate for young children. Things related to, uh, say, homosexuality or transsexuality, materials of that nature. Yes. Um, they would attempt to tell you that, you know, they just want to um, have a curriculum which reflects the diversity of the student population, but I, I, I don't agree with that. I think, it's, it's, I think it's a little bit more sinister than that. It's not just about reflecting the diversity of our country in the curriculum. It's about, it's about I think, pr promoting certain lifestyles, certain ways of thinking. 
And so as a concerned, loving parent, you're just simply saying, look, I'd like to know what my kids are being taught when it comes to these kinds of subjects like marriage, uh, the family, and sexuality. Am I reading this correctly? That's a perfect description of the situation. I, I want What I'm asking them is so inherently reasonable. To be honest with you, Lou, I was shocked when they, when they refused my request. Mm-hmm. Because, for example, and this is an example, that w- I think, which really explains the situation quite well. If my child was having trouble with algebra, mm-hmm. just as an example, if he wasn't ha- very good at math and he was having trouble with algebra, and I approached the school and I said, you know, could you please give me advance notice when my child's going to be learning algebra so that I could, for example, get him a tutor or, uh, you know, help him with his homework. Just let, give me advance notice. They would never refuse to tell me mm-hmm. when my kid was going to be learning about algebra. But when a parent makes a request to receive advance notice about when their kid's going to be learning about, for lack of a better word, uh, an alternative lifestyle, I would call it a sinful lifestyle. When a parent wants to know information about uh, things of that nature, then they say, no, it's none of your business. We're not going to tell you. And it sounds to me, you know, as a uh, retired teacher, that that's exactly what you do to uh, work with the teacher so that the content of the lesson plan, uh, you make it known to the parents if there's a concern, and working together, the, the uh, student is going to achieve a lot more because they're going to be happy and the parents are going to be happy. But, uh, Steve, just to give our listeners an idea, because many people might have heard about Bill 13, they might have heard about inclusive education, but haven't really followed the details in the last year or so in terms of the way this has been affecting the the schools. And you have, your case, I think, is a a good example of how it actually impacts families. And you've talked about this before, I know. But tell our listeners about the assembly that uh, they had in one of the schools and how at this meeting, of course, the effects of the equity policy and so that people know the real the real consequences. Mm-hmm. I almost hesitate to share this story because I think your, some of your listeners will be disturbed by it, but I, I will. I, um, think, I think it's important, Steve. Uh, yeah. Last year at, uh, at a high school in Hamilton, they had one of these gay-straight alliance GSA assemblies, so gay-straight alliance assemblies. And one of the keynote speakers, so to speak, was a um, Jewish woman who self-identified as a lesbian, and she went there with some credentials. She didn't just go there as a citizen you know, to speak to the kids. She went there, you know, with the credentials of being affiliated with a uh, a local liberal synagogue. And so I don't know if she was there necessarily in that capacity, but she surely didn't make a secret of the fact that she was a religious leader within the synagogue. And so after establishing that she was a credentialed speaker in these matters of the Old Testament, she started to talk about the book of Leviticus, I believe it was, the book mm-hmm. of Leviticus. Mm-hmm. And what she did was she basically said to those kids, because of that particular book of the Old Testament describes shopping on the, or working on the Sabbath as being an abomination. And it also happens to be the chapter that talks about homosexuality. So she goes, basically, in a nutshell, she said, if, if you kids actually shop on the Sabbath, and then you have no business to object to homosexuality as a lifestyle, you would be hypocritical to objecting to homosexuality if you shop on the Sabbath. And so what she was basically doing, she made some anti-Catholic comments as well, I'll get to in a second. But what she basically was doing is she was providing religious instruction from a very anti-Christian perspective, which in itself is illegal, I might add. Mm -hmm. But she was trying to convince these young kids that believing in what the Bible says about certain lifestyles is archaic, and it's primitive, and, you know, only a simple-minded person would still hold to those beliefs, and they're not relevant for today. And she even 
you know, she knew her audience. She knew that there was many, uh, I don't believe there's a, a Catholic school in Dundas, so many of the Catholic families send their kids to uh, mm-hmm. the public school. I believe. I'm not 100% sure about that. But in any case, I know there were many Catholics in the audience, and she even said she used the example of eating fish on Fridays. And she tied that somehow into homosexuality, saying that, you know, there's lots of outdated beliefs, even in Catholicism, like the eating of fish on Fridays. It's, and she made, she, what she was trying to, the logical conclusion she was trying to draw is that, you know, if you don't partake in that traditional Catholic observance, then because it's old fashioned, then why should you object? To these alternative lifestyles. So she, in one fell swoop, managed to completely try to portray traditional biblical teachings as being archaic and primitive. And she left, and kids left that assembly crying, by the way. There were young Christian children who left that assembly crying. And what she did was actually against the law, because in a public school, it's quite illegal to provide religious instruction, which mm-hmm. she did, because she was defining actual religious terms, like the word abomination theologically has a definition, and she was defining religious terms for them and trying to make them feel like hypocrites if they still believed in those, uh, the meaning of those terms. It's good that you uh, shared that with us because it shows then, here's an assembly that's obviously, it's gotten the okay from the staff, a principal, whoever okayed it to, for this person mm-hmm. to come in, and it undermines parental rights, it makes fun of the Christian beliefs, and it also shows then a real picture into when we talk about equity education or inclusive education, people don't have an idea that here's my daughter or my son going to that uh, assembly and maybe walking out of there saying, you know what, are my parents right? Is my faith correct? You know, it, it's confusing them. Well, I really do think even though the way they label some of these policies like inclusiveness and equity, those are buzzwords which unfortunately are misused quite often to disarm people who might have a, uh, a problem uh, theologically with what they want to teach the kids. So they're almost designed, those words are almost rigged to make you feel a certain way if you object, because they'll say, well, this is just about diversity, this is just about equality, which is, I don't really think, what their agenda is about. And I agree. Now, before we get to the actual, uh, some of the details of, in the, the court case, just to follow up on what you've been talking about, because all, everything I know about education having been in education for 34 years, told me that we need to work with parents, we need to work with uh, the home and the church uh, so the kids are happy and they learn more. i just like to ask you, having gone through this now for a year, year and a half, why do you think the government has come up with a policy, and now it's, a, it's law, Bill 13, that has alienated so many Christian parents and anybody who has, a, you know, a, has a, a religious beliefs? Well... You know, I don't know for sure mm-hmm. what their true motives are, but I just don't think they value. And their, their concept of diversity, unfortunately, does not include a Judeo-Christian perspective. In fact, I think they will define true diversity in their own minds with a complete elimination of a Judeo-Christian perspective. Because a Judeo-Christian perspective, it's almost like the bearings on a compass. It's, it's something, it's a starting point for our culture. And I really don't think that they're going to be in their mind, I don't think that they will achieve diversity without completely eliminating that perspective, because once you eliminate that perspective, just about anything goes, right? So that's how they eliminating a Judeo-Christian perspective is really, I think, one of their goals, something they want to achieve. And, you know, that was one of the most frustrating things about this process with them, is that they were telling me they were denying my fundamental human rights, 
in the name of diversity, and then and then in the name of human rights, they were denying my family the right to abstain to observe the requirements of our own faith. Now, Steve, any parent listening to us right now, you know, should be concerned because you know the language sounds so good and it sounds inviting, but here you are as a real person, a real father, saying that you know, but it rejects my faith. It rejects who we are our definition of who we are. So I think parents should take this seriously if they haven't paid attention to these policies. This is Bill 13, is to pay attention because this is radically changing what you're going to find in your local public school and your local uh, Catholic school. I want to now, Steve, go to the actual uh, case itself. You finally, I guess, out of frustration, trying to work with the school, with the school board, and you, you weren't getting anywhere, you decided then that you were going to go to court. I'm sure this wasn't an easy decision to make, for a family coming out public, but you decided to make it. Uh, can, can you tell our listeners, uh, you know, what led you to this decision? Well, it was, just first of all, it wasn't an easy decision. My wife is actually an employee of the Hamilton uh, Wentworth District School Board, so suing your or taking your wife's employer to court is never an easy situation. But unfortunately, they put me in a situation where I had no choice. This is actually you keep on saying a year and a half, but it's actually been over two years now, and. They're discriminating against my family because they're not giving me something that they freely give to other people. And I, I couldn't take it anymore. Like, you know, these are my children. I have a responsibility to protect them. And the fact of the matter is, they, in, in the process of discriminating in my family, they, they've treated me, I believe, with a great deal of contempt. For example, there's a, one correspondence I sent them that they still, to this day, after a year and a half, it was a year and a half ago I sent them a, a particular letter, they still haven't responded to that letter. When they do respond, they don't respond when they say they're going to respond. So what they did is they took a, already a very volatile situation where I'm being discriminated against, and they inflamed it further by treating me with contempt while they were discriminating against me. You know, I'm a very reluctant litigant, Lou. Mm-hmm. This is the last thing I want. I, could, I would have been fully justified, Lou, to take them to court a year and a half ago. I would have been justified. But I was just so patient with them. I sent them letter after letter. And they put me in a situation, unfortunately, where I had no choice. There was no other option for me, unfortunately. In fact, didn't they even uh, go to, uh, to the extent of saying to take your kids to another school or homeschool them? Yeah, they said that to me. They said to me, well, you should look at uh, uh, either sending them to a Catholic school or uh, homeschooling to me, which is just... Hmm. I, do they not realize the irony of them suggesting that to me? They basically said to me, and I have this in a tape-recorded conversation, by the way. Mm-hmm. They said, well, we can't have anybody, any of our students not feel, because I was complaining that I didn't feel like I was being a part of their inclusive strategy. And they said, well, we can't have any of our, our families not feeling included. So if you don't feel included, then maybe you should go to another school. <laughs> <laughs> which is quite quite an ironic uh, suggestion. You know, if you don't feel included, then just leave. <laughs> so the conclusion the, is it's not so inclusive and equitable because finally they're, they're telling you, well, you better leave. And, and I would think as a taxpayer, uh, you support the public system. Why shouldn't the system accommodate you? You're not asking for the, for, for, you know, for the moon. And the hypocrisy is just astounding because if I was a member of a visible minority complaining of being discriminated against, I think the last thing that they would tell me to do is to go to a different school. 
I've been getting that, unfortunately, from the media as well. There's so much anti-Christian bias in the media, where everyone in the media is saying to me the same thing. Why don't you just move your kids? And I don't think it's necessarily a malicious question, but even in asking that question, sometimes there's a bit of an anti-Christian bias, because there's no way they would say that to somebody who is complaining of, uh, quote-unquote, homophobic discrimination. If I was complaining that I was, being, I was the victim of homophobic discrimination, they wouldn't say to me, well, just move your kids. No, they'd say, why don't you get a lawyer and sue them? Bit of a double standard. Dear listeners, you're listening to Building a Culture of Life. The radio station is Radio Teopoli. My special guest today is Dr. Steve Terlucas. He's a Hamilton dentist, and we've been talking about the fact that he, a week ago, took the Hamilton-Wentworth District School Board to court. He did it reluctantly, and he simply wants to tell the Hamilton Board that they should accommodate. They have an equity policy that accommodates other religions, but refuses to accommodate in terms of Christian, uh, has refused in terms of Christian beliefs. And so he's with us today, and we're very grateful to have him on uh, Radio Theopoly. We've just started talking about his decision to actually uh, go to court, and I know he made a press conference statement the day this uh, lawsuit was launched. Uh, Steve, would you like to share that with our listeners, some of the, the contents of that press statement, review some of the things that we've said? It's worth hearing. Okay, I'll read it for the benefit of your listeners. It's going to give them a little bit more of a detail. I think they would benefit from understanding sure. some of the sure. details of the situation. So uh, I'm going to start. My name is Steve Terlucas. I'm a dentist, a husband, and a father of two. My children attend an elementary school within the Hamilton-Wentworth District School Board, and my wife is a teacher in that same school board. I am also a committed Christian. My family and I are faithful members of our Greek Orthodox Church. As committed Christians, my family and I have sincerely held religious beliefs which guide our views on certain issues such as marriage, family, and human sexuality. As such, it is important for my children to be taught about these issues from a Christian perspective. As a Christian, I hold the sincere religious belief that I am required by God and the Greek Orthodox Church to raise my children according to biblical principles and the tenets of the Christian faith. As my children's primary caregiver and guardian, I must ensure that my children abstain from certain activities and behaviors, and those activities may include engaging in classes or lessons which promote or encourage views which are contrary to our faith. In the spring of 2010, I attended a meeting at the Hamilton-Wentworth District School Board's head office where the board's equity policy, as well as some of the teaching materials to be used, were introduced and explained to the parents. During that meeting, and amidst an angry crowd, parents were assured that the school board would provide religious accommodations when sought. Several weeks later, I received a copy of a document provided to teachers, which was not intended for public release, containing scripted answers to shut down possible objections from parents regarding the equity policy. At that point, I wrote the school board and requested my children be permitted to abstain from certain classes and activities. The board responded by refusing to provide the religious accommodation I was seeking. I responded by pointing out that their own equity policy, which specifically required that the school board provide religious accommodation, and again requested accommodation. I was then invited to meet with the principal of my children's school as well as the board's equity principal. I accepted the invitation. During this meeting, which lasted over an hour and a half, I was repeatedly told that to permit my children to leave the class during certain lessons would somehow be discrimination against other children. The solution offered to me was rather insulting. It was suggested that I should leave the school board and enroll my children in a private school or try homeschooling. Therefore, to accommodate the religious beliefs of my family in a manner that was previously endorsed by the Ministry of Education by opting out of certain lessons would somehow to be discriminated against other children. However, telling my family that we were no longer welcome in the school system because of our beliefs was not considered discriminatory. I was stunned by the hypocrisy. 
following that meeting, I wrote the school board asking that I at least be provided with advance notification of classes which would cover materials dealing with marriage and human sexuality. I received no response, and after three weeks, I wrote the board superintendent asking her for a response, which I received. My request was again denied. In early July, I wrote the board asking if they would reconsider their position to provide me with the religious accommodation I was seeking. The school board wrote me to advise me they would have a formal response before the beginning of the school year. To my great disappointment, the board did not follow through on that promise. We have already gone through the first week of school, and I only received a response on Friday, September 7th, which once again denied my religious accommodation. The school board, it seems, has no interest with working with my family. This does not seem consistent with how the board treats other groups. It has found ways to accommodate these other groups. Why not accommodate my family? Does our being a Christian somehow disqualify us from receiving equitable treatment? Despairing, I went to the Parental Rights and Education Defense Fund for help. I have exhausted all opportunities for constructive dialogue and informal dispute resolution. I feel that I have no choice but to seek redress through the courts. I did not want it to come to this. I did not want to commence legal proceedings against the school board where my children go to school and my wife and many other family members work, but I could not simply permit the school board to violate my family's right to religious freedom and religious accommodation, long-standing Canadian rights. My hope is that the courts will affirm my constitutional and human rights to religious beliefs. In a school system that prides itself on being inclusive, I hope my children and other children of religious families will not only be included in the school system, but welcome as equally valuable members of Canadian society. And uh, Steve, thank you for doing that, because I think when the media covers these issues, because the news has to be, you know, five minutes, five seconds or less sometimes, and Mm -hmm. it's always about, you know, image management, I think it's important that we look at the details. We're real people with real families, real concerns, and we want to be listened to. Unfortunately, sometimes the media doesn't, doesn't do it. So I think it took a, little, a few minutes, but I think it's worthwhile for people listening to us to hear why a father, why a parent has to go out publicly, not wanting to, but make a public statement, uh, take a stand in a legal way to try to defend his parental rights, defend his Christian beliefs, and try to guide the moral education of his kids. Unfortunately, today in in Ontario, this is being questioned, and it's up to the parents listening to us to see whether this request for accommodation is unreasonable. I personally think it's very reasonable, having taught in the system for 34 years, and it should have been accommodated a long time ago, but unfortunately it wasn't, and uh, we're here now. Uh, Steve, do you have, after this, I mean, I'm sure you've had reaction this past week, the way the media has handled your, uh, your situation. Well... Some of your colleagues in the media have been very fair, but some of them have been so malicious, so mean-spirited to me and my family. Uh, Hamilton's major newspaper, it's called the Hamilton Spectator, published an editorial this week which was just awful, incomplete with an editorial cartoon, basically accused me of being, my application with the courts, of being sinister. They accused me of being sinister for having the audacity to want to know what my children are being taught. Uh, apparently that's sinister to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they they resort to name-calling. I believe a parent who doesn't take an interest in their children's education is sinister. What what I'm doing, wanting to know, you know, I'm a taxpayer. I have the right to know what my kids are being taught. But the media portrays that as uh, sinister. Some of them have also tried to paint this as being some evil right-wing conspiracy. Nothing could be further from the (laughs) truth. If this was some kind of conspiracy, I I don't think I would be... uh, appealing for funds 
you know, I, 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 I almost wish it was a big white ring conspiracy because I wouldn't be worried so much about losing my life savings in my house and everything I own to, to legal fees trying to sue the, the Board of Education. But they, they've basically, you know, they've treated me in a way that they wouldn't treat anybody else if they were from a visible minority or anything like that. You know, like I said, they suggest, they, they think I'm arrogant for not just moving my kids to a different school board. And I certainly don't think they would publish an editorial cartoon mocking somebody who, uh, from a visible minority or somebody who is gay, if they were complaining about discrimination, they would never do that. But yes. unfortunately, I think the media has some double standards fueled by their own biases. And Steve, we hope that people listening to us today hear the voice of a father and uh, someone who's concerned about his family and, and all those myths, uh, what the media reports uh, will be uh, somewhat dispelled. And we get to the truth. I want to ask you, as well, parents listening to us, you know, you, you've gone through quite a bit. Do you have any, any advice for them who, if they have concerns about uh, these issues, about what they can do to, to, to push back or try to fight back? Well, first of all, they have to talk to their kids' school board. They have to make an attempt, just like I did, to find out what their kids are, are being taught. But on kind of on a, on a, on a larger scale, on a larger level, uh, I think parents, if they're interested in learning more about the, this situation, because I think it can happen to anybody, I think they need to go to a website called DefendingParents.com. That's a, a website run by the Parental Rights and Education Defense Fund. So like I said, it's uh, DefendingParents.com. That's a website where people can go to learn more information. I, I think that we are, they were thinking about putting up uh, the actual some of the letters and some of the mm-hmm. documentations that we submitted for the, to the court so the parents could see with their own eyes what's going on in the school systems today. They also, I believe, they have the ability to make a donation as well if they want to uh, make a donation to the, the defense fund at uh, defendingparents.com. Well, they could also do that as well. And I think we'd be interested in hearing their stories as well because I strongly suspect I'm not the only parents who has been struggling for this. So I'm, I'm not sure if there's a link to an email on that uh, on that website, but uh, particularly parents in the Hamilton area, if they have had similar experiences, they can share those experiences with us by possibly leaving an email. Well, uh, Steve, at, th- at this point, I'm going to make a, uh, a, a disclosure in an effort to be transparent and honest. As chair of the Parental Rights and Education Defense Fund, we're going to try to put those letters, I think if there's other you know, parents who are concerned and letters come in, I think that's a, a good thing to do, to put it on the website, and along with the details of what can be made public, of course, in your case, because people that go and get that information, they'll actually get the facts and not some uh, get it through a secondhand source. And this takes me to this other question, that having gone to, you know, to go to court, this puts a strain, I'm sure, on the, on the family. Uh, I'm sure you've gotten support, but you also get negative uh, response as well. And it's an expensive undertaking. And I know you sought the, the, the help of the Parental Rights and Education, this, this fund. Just tell, uh, you, you've already kind of mentioned this, but why did you need the support of a fund? Because I can't, to be honest with you, Lou, I can't do it by myself. You know, the, the school board has unlimited, unlimited financial resources. And the reason why they've been able to do this is because people have been silenced too long. On the one hand, I'm funding the discrimination of, against my family with my taxes. And on the other hand, I have to pay to sue them in court. I feel like I'm funding both sides of this lawsuit. You know, I'm paying for their discrimination and their lawyers, potentially if I lose. And at the same time, I have to pay for my lawyers as well. I can't do it alone. And I don't think I should do it alone. This is an issue that can affect so many people. If they can arbitrarily deny my family their rights, they can do it to any family. And something had to be done. I'm so grateful for the, uh, the Parental Rights uh, and Education Defense Fund for coming alongside of me 
because you know to be quite honest with you i don't know if it would be possible to take them to court if it if it wasn't in fact maybe i wouldn't take them to court at all if it wasn't for the defense fund so i hear what you're saying steve it's a huge decision to make in terms of not just the going out there in front of the media you have to make you know your family your kids are involved the names are your kids and also it's a costly thing uh, so people listening to us if you want to support parental rights and education in this province if you want to support christian beliefs if you really believe in it it doesn't just mean that we talk about it so do uh, consider as i said i know i am the chair and somebody may be thinking that i'm uh, tooting my own horn but i'm not i really believe in uh... In steve's case i fully support it and uh, do visit the uh, defendingparents.com and if you feel that the Holy Spirit moves you to make a donation, please do so. Uh, Steve, I want to ask you, uh, considering everything that's happened this first week, uh, launching the law case, how are the children doing? How's the family? You know, this has been absolutely terrible for my wife, Lou, because one of the things the local media has done is they've actually published the name of my kid's school, mm-hmm. which is not relevant to the case at all. So that's made us very, you know, frightened in a way, because unfortunately there are some sick individuals out there who might try to do something. I don't know. Uh, Nothing has happened so far to my children, but they've just given me something else to worry about by publishing the name of my children's school. And the other thing is my wife being a teacher in the public board, so she's basically teaching in the school board that we're taking to court. Let's just say it's a very cold environment for her in her school. Colleagues that were previously very friendly to her have shunned her, basically. So my, my wife really is paying a price this lawsuit i wish i could say the costs were just financial but unfortunately this is really taking a my my poor wife lou you can't even imagine what she's been through with this situation you know every t- every day she goes to school you know she comes back she's so emotional when she comes home sometimes because you know imagine walking into a staff room it was terrible on the first day after the press conference one of her colleagues said to her hey did you hear about that idiot who's schooling the school board mm. you know and my wife says well that's actually my husband you know, and they're just a lot of colleagues, like I said, who were once very warm to her are now cold. They don't return her emails, even in matters involving yes. students. It's just a very, very bad situation for my wife. I, I hope your listeners can pray for my family as well. That would mean a lot to us, to be quite honest with you. We're grateful, Steve, that you have taken this stand. I congratulate well, you. Well, thank you. And if I could just say one more sure, thing, Lou. Sure, sure. My case could set a precedence to protect Catholic children in Catholic schools as well, because Every parent, regardless of which school board they're in, should have the right to know what their children are teaching and should have the right to abstain from curriculum which offends their uh, sincerely held religious beliefs. Because unfortunately, I don't think anyone would disagree with me, but there are people in the, in the Catholic board as well who are intent on, on uh, teaching things to little kids that they shouldn't mm-hmm. be teaching. So I believe if we're victorious in my case, it's going to benefit Catholic families as well because Catholic parents have the right to know what mm-hmm. their kids are learning in school as well. Yeah, I, I agree with you fully. I remember when we were fighting the equity policy in the Catholic board here in Toronto, I have uh, teachers in the public board who were, who were kept telling me, keep fighting because it helps both systems. It's, it's, it, we're in this together. Uh, Steve, I know you've gotten some uh, negative uh, press, and uh, it's sometimes difficult. Your, your wife is on the, uh, the, the watchful eye of, of her colleagues, and, some, and people do react in negative ways, unfortunately. But have you also had some uh, positive reactions as well? You know, Lou, I haven't spoken to a single parent who objects to a parent having the right to know. It's so obvious, it's so blatant to most people that how could anybody object to a parent wanting to know what their children are being taught? 
like I have received a great deal of support here in my workplace and of course from family uh, as well I haven't actually met a single person who's mm-hmm. told me that I'm you know out of line or being unreasonable it seems only to be the left media the leftist media which seems to portray me as being a monster everyone else I talk to says good for you Steve you're doing the right thing here well uh, we don't think you're a monster we, we think you're doing the right thing and uh, we're fully behind you before we let you go Steve is there something else that I, we haven't covered that you'd like to share with uh, people listening to us well I think we covered most of it I just you know if they could pray for my family that's the most important thing I think it would it would be a good thing if they picked up the phone to call the Hamilton Wentworth District School Board to tell them what they think about this situation that would never hurt uh, maybe a public outrage would help and if they could please go to defendingparents.com if they want to learn more and if, if they want to maybe defend to uh, make a donation to uh, assist not just my family but all families who are affected by these type of issues and uh, that's a good way to end it I think that's a a great thing to say that uh, we all need uh, prayers. We're going to pray for you. We're going to be behind you and, and try to help you, Steve, in whatever way we can. We're so grateful that you gave us this time today. I know that you're a dentist. You also have to make a living, and you were working today, and you took some time off to do this. We're very grateful and thankful for it. Thank you so much. Thank you for uh, praying for my family, Lou, and thank you for helping me get the message out about uh, this, this terrible situation that my family finds themselves in. Steve, it's a privilege for us to do so. God bless you, and thanks again. Bye for now. Bye now. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Christians Engaging Culture. Like I said, this interview was recorded seven years ago. Unfortunately, Toulucas lost his case, and the freedoms of Canadian parents continued to be trampled on. You can find an article with updates about his case on our website, as well as the ongoing case of another Canadian father who has been threatened with arrest if he refers to his daughter by the female name he gave her at birth, or by female pronouns. If these are glimpses of where Australia is heading, it is very concerning indeed. Make sure you discuss this material after church and discipleship groups so we can sharpen one another as a church community. Don't forget to visit our website for more resources we've handpicked on education and religious liberty. This includes an example from England of a Muslim community losing their fight against their primary age children being taught LGBT material in public schools, and a Christian university in Canada whose graduates are barred from practicing law because the university upholds a Christian view of marriage. We've also linked to Neil Foster's comprehensive blog posts on the impact of the Ruddick Review on Christian schools. You can find these things and more at our website at cec.stthomas.org.au. That's cec.st-thomas.org.au. Until next week, remember the the words of Charles Spurgeon, If Christ be anything, he must be everything.